Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Ambulance men have got into Mr. Rumble's office. Oh, whatever's happening, Mr. Harmon? Mr. Rumble's been taken queer. Oh, anything I can do. <laughs> have you any idea what caused it? Bristles. <laughs> I asked you a perfectly civil question. Only three lads. Episode one hundred and eight. Top five seventies punk albums. Oi, oi, oi. All right. Ugh. Ugh. That's just snot going down my you, throat. Aren't you happy? Oh, lovely. Yeah. That's very punk of you. It was. And I could spit too right on my floor. That's right. Time for another episode. Rizzles. Yep. Rizzles. All right. <laughs> Coming down in three, two, and one. Hey, it's another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look with you at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg, and of course, we have the Roctologist, the Professor, the Doctor, the PhD Roy. of Music. Was, that, that's the first one. Brett Fargo. We're all you here. You all get ready for the most anarchic episode of Only Three Lives Ever, Rissoles. Yeah, I think I'm just going to say Rissoles a lot today. I think, I'm yeah, sorry. I think that's a good word. That's a good word. It's a great word. Um, I think that... Uh, this will be the fastest episode ever. I think that should be our goal. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. We are Minutemen. You know, that's 80s punk. But exactly. Well, you yeah. know, um, what we are looking at is our top punk albums. Oh, there we go. <coughs> what Ooh. we are looking at is our top one up. Uh, right on my wall. Just like 80s, 70s punk. We are taking a look at our top punk albums of the 70s. Yes. A lot of great music came out. I kind of felt that we had did something like this, but it might have been the top punk albums 
of the golden age of alternative music. We have done the 80s albums, we have done the 90s albums, but we have talked a whole lot about 70s punk because the punk rock mucus, mucus, the punk rock mucus. That's my fault. I apologize. (laughs) That was a total Freudian slip. It's really the foundation of pretty much everything we talk about on this show, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really what gave rise to alternative music. I mean, maybe you can point to some of the stuff that, I guess, inspired punk, Velvet Underground, Stooges, MC5, Bowie, what have you. But it was the punk revolution that really kicked the door open for alternative forms of music to be heard. I would agree with that because that's when that came in. But there's really no radio stations for it. You had college stations, and that's where the alternative scene with all different kinds of things kind of. But punk was definitely a big part of that. And you're right because it was so hated by the mainstream. Like if, you know, if, if in 1977, if you walked up with the, you know, looking like a punk, Right away, you were hated by just handfuls of people. And, uh, of course, I kind of missed it. I mean, I I like punk music. I remember Face to Face was probably the first punk band that I really got into, and that was in the early 90s. Okay. Um, I remember because there was this bar in Phoenix that served underage kids. And I oh. had just got out of the military, and my friend took me to this bar. And I kept on going, who is that? And on their jukebox, they had Face to Face that all these kids would keep on pumping their quarters in as they're chugging beer illegally and And is uh, that bar still open it is as a matter of fact it is still open but they got to the point they had to get the kids out it was too many at first it was just the couple and then as more and more came you know it got rowdier and rowdier and more problems theft all kinds of things so they finally had to crack down yeah um but I, i i would have to say jfa jody foster's army if anybody is knows that band they were kind of had uh they had roots here in Arizona and in Southern California. I went to a school with the guy, his brother, Mike Bam Bam Sanderval, was the drummer. One of the drummers. They've had like 27 drummers in this band. They all blow up like Spinal Tap? I think so. I don't, I'm sure, you know, being in a punk band in, in that era, things probably didn't last real long. I mean, you yeah. had talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll and every vice that you could think of. Um, but JFA was probably the early one that, just because of the connections and people who I knew. And you can still find a lot of the JFA merch on, you know, skateboards and all kinds of stuff. Hmm. They're still out there. You never heard of JFA, Jody Foster's Army? Uh, I think I have heard of them. Yeah, you probably I, I can't tell you I've heard anything by them, though. Uh, you know, you've heard it before, you know, basically. It's probably. skate punk, yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't like a big punk guy, so I don't want to come off as like some poser, but I know – the punk songs, what I like when I hear it. You know, I never dove in deep and was like, oh, I got to go get this punk album. But, you know, like when Green Day came out in, you know, 93, 94, I remember them coming out and, um, you know, them blowing up at, uh, it was Lollapalooza 95. Basket Case, they already had the song Longview that came out. It was on the radio and people knew him. It was a great song and, you know, song about masturbation. It was wonderful. But basket case is what sent them into the stratosphere. Yeah. And then, you know, then they kind of had a lull. And then American Idiot in 2004 comes out and they become the the, the godfathers of punk. Also a big Tim Armstrong fan. Uh, Ruby Soho, you know, all those songs. Yep. Going back to Op Ivy. Yeah. Op Ivy. I was a big fan of them, too. But later, not in 1988 when I should have been because I never ran into them. I don't really remember how I got sucked into punk. 
probably started with Elvis Costello, not that he was, you know, punk, but he did have ties to that scene. And I think when I listened to when I was getting into Elvis as a teenager and I heard the This Year's Model album, I'm like, wow, I like it and I want to hear more. So I wasn't really into a lot of like 90s punk. I did, you know, have some Green Day and Rancid records, but really got into a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking to talking about today, the 70s stuff, and then gradually hit some 80s. Although I don't know, I wasn't big on on like hardcore punk. I like things with a little more melody, but that's just me in general. Yeah. I like to go to places where you can stand and your feet don't stick to the floor because of mucus, you know, like what I have right now. Oi. You know, the number one killer of people is mucus and inflammation. Pneumonia. You could die during this show. Hey. so punk. Maybe. Wow. If we can get some press out of it, it'd be podcaster. Uncle Greg dies drowning in his exactly. own mucus. Oh, we have great. determined that, that we can now be called podcasters in our yes. obituaries. I know, with what, episode 107? Episode 107. This week, how about that? Yeah. We are podcasters Well, that was last officially. week. This week is 108. Okay, so we're 108. Yes. Okay, so I know, we're even more in podcasters. Confusing. Getting very we're confusing. over 100. How does that no, sound? No, we're punks. It doesn't, numbers don't matter. Amen. Oh, it's sure. just the man Oi. trying to keep us down. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, you know, because we were I, maybe it was in the past, it was our top punk songs because I remember Richard Hell, Blank Generation, made my Could list be. when you were just talking about that. Yep. I don't yep. remember. I'm sure people know. So go to our Facebook page and say, hey, you Rizzos, it was this episode, whatever, and you guys, you know, whatever. Yeah. You guys are a bunch of wankers. Well, to punk, yeah, punk did come out of, I would say, the first punk band. Who who would you say it was? Like, I guess probably most people would say Sex Pistols. But Richard Hell was out there. Well, I mean, I would go back to 60s bands that were not necessarily called punk, but I could draw a line to, you know, even going back to the Kingsman, Louie Louie, or uh, actually one of the wildest bands that I have ever heard was a band out of Peru called Los Psychos. And if you listen to their song called, I believe it's called Demolition, Demolition, it's punk rock in 1965. Really? Oh yeah, it is so fantastic. Uh, there was a band of American GI stationed in Germany called the Monks, and their whole gimmick was they dressed like monks and they had the little, you know, how they shave the, right. the crown of their head. So that was their whole thing, and that stuff is just wild punk rock. Their one album from 1966, Black Monk Time, features songs that were not very 1966, such as I Hate You. My brother died in Vietnam. So, the Sandells, the Chocolate Watch Band, bands like that. So, I mean, you can draw this line to what eventually became punk. So, what was the first punk band? 
that could probably be identified as punk? Probably the Stooges. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. No. I would agree. I think they were the ones that, that really came out with an attitude that we could clearly recognize as punk rock. Yes. So if you're huffing, you're a punk rocker. If you're huffing, yes. Yes. <laughs> if you're carrying large vats of unknown substances and huffing it on stage, you are punk rock. All right. It's another year for me and you. Another year with nothing to do. So our top five, would you like to start this week or would you like me to kick off our list? I will start this week. Okay. Go ahead. I'm getting Brett weird because I realize that it's going to be really difficult for me to distill all of these important 70s punk rock albums into a top five. So I went with about the most punk thing that I could think of and I decided to just dispense with any sort of like the critical aspect of things and dig a little bit deeper because I figure that nobody needs you know, little old me to tell them how great the Sex Pistols or the Clash or the Ramones are. And I'm figuring you might pick some of these as well, not to guess any spoiler alerts. But I'm going to spotlight five different bands who aren't necessarily all obscure, but they don't really get brought up a lot in the conversation of punk rock. So each one of them hails from a different country. I'm doing this thing again. Yeah, I know. So Debbie Boone, Debbie Boone, sure. Debbie Boone. Yeah, she's never oh, get, you been brought up, up in life. Yeah, not not in in punk conversations. It is not. It is not. But it is little known that the original song was called "You Light Up My Life." Rissos, you wanka. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was originally a, a, a rock and punk number. But nice. I'm going to start with our home turf, the U.S. of A. And we know, of course, the epicenter of American punk was undoubtedly New York. And then the seeds of more hardcore punk was planted in Los Angeles. But there were punk bands that were popping up all over the country and in some unlikely places. We had Bill Goffrey from The Embarrassment on our show a few weeks back. And he talked about the punk scene in Kansas, of all places, which started very organically with a handful of like-minded kids who were bored and just needed something to do. So there was kind of those little scenes popping up all over the place. In Minnesota, in the early 80s, you'd have bands like The Replacements, Husker Du, and Soul Asylum, who would soon define the the sound of Twin Cities punk. But it all started with a band called The Suicide Commandos. From 1978, my number five is The Suicide Commandos Make a Record. Even the title of the record sounds punk and very DIY. Hey, we just made a record. And I guess it's apt since it would be the only studio record that they would make until 2017. Make a Record was actually bankrolled by a major label, believe it or not, Mercury, who released it on their newly formed punk subsidiary that ended up folding after releasing this in Perubu's The Modern Dance, uh, a label called Blank Records. So where's their label mate specialize in a bizarre brand of art punk that owed as much to Captain Beefheart as it did to the Ramones? Make a record is 35 minutes of tightly wound rock and roll played with vigor, fury, and a whole heck of a lot of fun. Tracks like I Need a Torch, Burn It Down, Attacking the Beat, and Shock Appeal bristle with energy and attitude, with most tracks bowing out under two and a half minutes. Singer-guitarist Chris Osgood has a little of that Mark Bolin-esque bleeding vibrato you know, the, ah, that Fearful Sharky and Jello Biafra would suit employ to good effect. Down, 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 
They were also cool and sensible enough to cover a monkey song that was not I'm Not Your Stepping Stone, which was kind of the, the punk's cover of choice. But there's a great version of their song, She, on this record. So if you dig this album after you hear it, then you absolutely have to check out their live record from 1979. It was the only other piece of work they put out during that era. It's called the Commandos Commit Suicide Dance Concert, featuring revved up versions of tracks from the studio record and some really great choice 60s covers. In the 80s, bassist Steve Almas would make more of a name for himself by fronting Roots Rock combo Beat Rodeo, but it all started here. So I'm picking this one because you never hear it mentioned nearly often enough in the conversation of 70s punk. My number five, Suicide Commandos Make a Record. Hmm. I'm trying to think. When you said monkeys, you lost me because I was thinking, I've been listening to a lot of monkeys lately. Yeah. I think Pleasant Valley Sunday would not be a punk song. Valerie might be able to. Oh, Valerie with that fuzz guitar. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. Stepping Stone is good. I can see why a lot of people went down with that one. But gosh, yeah, the monkeys, I'm, you know, you're shocked of how much great music the monkeys put out. And they're not a punk band, but I can see why some punk bands would want to cover some of those songs. But were they not, though? Because here's the great thing about the monkeys. Of course, they started out as rock and roll's biggest sham. They were a rock band that they were put together for a TV, TV show. Yeah. Their third album, Headquarters, they wanted to play everything themselves. Even though Mickey and Davey weren't really musicians at that time, the four of them got in a room and it's it's all them. What a great album. And then the next one, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones, um, was kind of the same approach, but they brought in more session musicians. And after that, you know, it was kind of back to the old thing. Session musicians would do all the heavy lifting, but I love the monkeys. There's an episode of the monkeys where they're at Veterans Memorial Coliseum. They're doing a concert and the whole episode's Mm -hmm. about that. And I'm going, that was before I was born. And so before you were born too, but I can pick out where they are in town and where they where they stayed and then they had this big old thing i remember seeing that because yeah veterans memorial coliseum still stands that's where they have the state fair in arizona so it's not pretty a few shootings outside the fair here in arizona once oh, in a while but it's know. to be expected it's to be expected because it's very hot very hot especially in october and it's really the end of the by the way if no one knew this because it's useless information that makes uncle greg no money but it's near the end of the um fair season so that's this is their last stop because it's in October. It's still warm. And then people come here. So by that time, the equipment is really badly damaged. And they have like fun things like, you know, you get extra tickets for any bolts you find off the rides. That sort of thing. That's what we wow. do. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> but, you know, but the shootings, I'm not. Well, I'll Venmo you 50 cents for that knowledge. Exactly. There we go. Okay. Never let it be said you, you made no money off of that. Okay. Well, here right. we go. We said this was going to be the fastest episode ever. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We are rambling on. But here, kicking off my list of the top 70s punk albums is one that I've been really listening to this week. And they come from Northern Ireland with songs about teenage boredom, sectarian violence, police brutality, all wrapped into a punk band. How can you go wrong with Stiff Little Fingers and their debut album, Inflammable Material? 
Albums just loaded with powerful lyrics and hooks that just come grab you right by the, your shirt and drag you in. Um, alternative Ulster. Hopefully I'm saying that wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying it right? Hey. Alternative I'm, Ulster, yeah. Well, that song appeared on the soundtrack recently for the movie Jackass. And maybe your nieces, nephews, kids know the song because it's on Xbox 360 and PlayStation's game Skate 2. Um, so if you're looking for any rage and conviction, this is the album for you. Stiff Little Fingers, inflammable material, it's going to be for you. Number five, punk album of the 70s. Well, well, what a great choice. I, I, Is it an intelligent choice? Because I know you bring up Stiff Little Fingers. Possibly. Possibly. Okay. We'll I see. can neither refute nor deny that at this point. Okay. Rizzo! Well, let's see. <laughs> All, right. All right. Great pick, Bill. For number four, I'm going to move over to Belgium, and I'm not sure that we've ever had a Belgian band mentioned on Oath Real, so let this be a first. Oh, the Netherlands. Hey, we are friends the Netherlands there. close. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's right yeah. next to them, right? Aren't they neighbors? It, I, it could be. I don't, I'm, uh, geographically, I'm, I'm, I know they're close, but I don't know if they're neighbors. Yeah, geography, I was never a, a wonder at, but I know it is in Europe. Yeah. It's somewhere over there. Okay. All right. Cross-pollination. But I'm going with the self-titled 1978 debut by The Kids. The band's locale ensured that they would rarely get mentioned with the punk elite, but holy smokes, this album is as confrontational and angry as anything that their UK peers were putting out. It is truly a barn burn. Charging through 12 songs in just over 25 minutes, they rail against the neo-Nazis, the fascist cops, old DJs, and the Belgian government. In fact, their song Bloody Belgium may be the Belgian equivalent of anarchy in the UK. I mean, maybe it's not as bold as declaring I am an antichrist, but they slam the politicians for not allowing them to make a noise above 90 decibels before finally declaring that Prime Minister says we gotta fight inflation, we gotta raise new taxes to save the nation. So they're after people without a job. I think I better hang myself. Well, maybe I'm not painting this record to be a, a rosy affair necessarily, but it's actually a lot of fun. The lead track on the album declares their mission statement. This is rock and roll. And that's exactly what it is. It's a supercharged rock and roll thrill ride. I mean, of course, you've got to prepare yourself for some shock value when you peruse the track titles and you see a song called Do You Love the Nazis? But thankfully, the answer is, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then they have some choice four letter words for them. So. I will I won't go into those though. The kids would actually sustain a career through 1985 in Europe, and then they would reform for good in the mid-90s. They've even played the US in the 21st century, which I've missed, so hopefully they come back around someday. But at this time they were literally just kids. Singer-songwriter Ludo Merriman was already in his 20s, but the bass player was only like 13 or 14 years when Whoa. this record was cut. So anyway, so that's my number four, The Kids, self-titled 1978. 
Wow. Ooh. Talk about young. Yeah, we love the kids in the Belgium. In the Belgium. Well, good and for we them. We love our fleets. What the hell is that? All right. <laughs> We're already going off the rails. Hey, it's punk rock, man. What do you expect? All right, so for my number four, it seems kind of strange to be putting The Clash at number four. But we had them at number one last week with our top albums of 1979. But their debut album from 1977, also a gem. I mean, with songs like Career Opportunities, London's Burning, White Riot. You must introduce your neighbors to this album whenever you play it. You got to crank it. Now, in 1977, there was a lot of great music that came out, a lot. But there was a lot of crap, too, like here in America, Andy Gibb, and uh, I Just Want to Be Your Everything, one of the top great songs. Song. In, oh, great song. Okay. Mm. Well, not if you're a big Clash. Well, you could still be a big Clash fan. Sure. But, but the Clash wasn't going to be played on the radio in the United States in 1977. True. I don't think that we were ready for it yet. So um, it really wasn't even released in the United States until I want to say 79. But it 79. was, yeah, but it was a top import in 77, 78. So because people still saw the brilliance and the great music that The Clash was, you know, really starting to put out. But I'll tell you what, The Clash, their debut album, you can't argue with that one. Number four on my list of the top punk albums of the 70s. I shan't argue with that one. No. And the the U.S. version had a different track listing. I'm sure they, what did they, whitewash it? Well, they swapped a lot of the songs on the uh, U.K. version for some of the singles that had come out in the U.K. Oh, so they had like a little track record. So they said, hey. When we put yep. out these units, let's make sure we'll put this song at number one. This song, so White Riot probably moved up. I know it started with, I think it was Clash City Rockers followed by I'm So Bored with the USA. I remember that one too. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. But if you do know, get to our Facebook page. Tell Brett, the Rocktologist, that he looked deep into that hole and he was right. Looked deep into that hole. <laughs> yes. As the Rocktologist does. Yes. Well, could you imagine being a proctologist? I mean, is that an awkward moment for you? Like when they first walk in, hi, I'm Dr. Vargo. You know, so what's going on? Let's talk about it. And then now, you know, mm -hmm. you're so rushed. You used to yeah. be like, you could talk a little bit. Oh, I'm having trouble. And, uh, you know, now it's like, um, so uh, grab your ankles and open up and say, ah, you know, like how exactly do you get to that point? So your question was, could I imagine it? The answer is every day. Every <laughs> You could imagine it. I'm just saying, like, for, for proctologists out there, thank you for your hard work. I know getting to the point in your life, all the schooling you had to go through just to hang out with a bunch of buttholes. Gosh, that must be rough. I'd like to know if we have any proctologists in our <laughs> listener base. Please. If you are, please step forward. Hit us up on social media and uh, you know, give us your favorite proctology stories. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. We could read those. I totally would enjoy that. The new segment on the show. Yeah. Could, could you imagine the horror stories? You know, like people like, oh, I, I really like, you know, you know, like right now, like Gadunka Dunks, you know, the young kids, they all like the big, huge butts. And 
you know, the fee, the women are all trying to get these really big, you know, huge, bu- you know, bubble butts. Right, right. And right. could you imagine the stories that, you know, I don't know. I was with my son in my car. Here we go the other day. And we were talking about Kim Kardashian. Remember that picture of her? Um, she was like wearing like a black dress. And there's like one where she's got a, uh, she's got like a wine glass on her butt and she's shooting champagne over her head. Mm, and then okay. she's got one in that same photo shoot where she's like, her butt is exposed and it's supposed to look sexy. But every time I look at that picture, all I smell is dump. You know, it's not sexy to me at all. I, you know, ugh. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I start smelling barnyard and I, it's not Miss Kardashian. It's just, I don't know. It's just the way how the picture's done. I guess some people find it sexy. I find it not. Okay. I don't like big gadunka dunks because that seems to me to be unhealthy. Right. And you cannot lie. Uh, yes. Yep. I'm just not into Other it. brothers can't deny. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, like, hey, we've been watching Coachella on YouTube past weekend. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm glad that all body types are being uh, accepted. But no matter how much you want to celebrate certain body types, it's unhealthy and not good for them. And sometimes, you know, some people say I'm big boned. You're not big boned. There's no such thing. But I mean, there could be things going on hormonally. It's not, I mean, I struggle with losing weight. Like I would love to, you know, lose five pounds like like I used to. I would just stop eating uh, carbs and boom, I could lose five to eight pounds within days. You know, now I could do everything right. And um, then, you know, accidentally drink some orange juice and I'm right back where I was eight days ago. You know, it sucks. I get it. But 13 pounds from that OJ. Dang you, Donald Duck. But when you're up on stage and you're wiggling that kadunka dunk and you could, it looks like divots all over there, like someone just played golf on your butt. Keep it to yourself and maybe go see a doctor. And I'm just, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Is that another rant? A proctologist, maybe. Well, that's if you have trouble. I mean, if it's just on the outside, the meat, it's right, okay. Right, right. But if it's okay. the, but if it's the plumbing, that's when you go see a proctologist, mm. I think. All right. Well, punk rock. Very punk rock. Hey, punk rock and buttholes on this episode of the Only Three Lads podcast. Oi. You're welcome. I didn't hear anybody thanking us. Well, because that's their internal dialogue doing it. Yeah. Yes. You are all thinking it, I'm sure. (laughs) We got to take a break right here, right here, right? We're going into a break. Going into a break. Yeah. All right. Well, um, proctology. Let's get off that subject. What a a blast. (laughs) No pun intended. Hey, it's the only Three Lads podcast, really, even though we're talking about stuff that may be uh, crude and not for um, consumption of all family members. We want to thank you so much for being here, being part of this community. Uh, If you are a proctologist and have any good gory stories, uh, just for pure entertainment, please uh, put them on the Facebook page, hit like, hit subscribe, hit the notification button. And when you see any of our posts, please share them so we can build this community. Sounds good. So stick around. Our countdown continues of our top 70s punk albums after this. Hey, this is Ammo, and you're listening to Only Three Lads podcast. Uh, you can check me out at musicbyammo.com. There's a flurry of touring activity coming up in the classic alternative music realm. Roxy Music hits North America this September for their 50th anniversary tour with St. Vincent opening. Tickets are on sale now. 
The House of Love finally hits US soil in October after two years of COVID delays. Synthpop Trailblazers Heaven 17 amazingly are undertaking their first ever North American tour in September, also following COVID-related delays. The Psychedelic Furs and X hit the road together this summer, and Bauhaus will continue to play the West Coast following the Cruel World Festival on May 14th and 15th, and then return to the East Coast in September. Well, break out the wallets, looks like it's going to be an expensive year. We are back. It is the Only Three Lads podcast. We are nothing without you, the Only Three Lads, the O3L community. So thank you so much once again for sharing part of your day with us, just giving us some of your time. You know, they always say time is the greatest gift. Yes. And you light up our lives. Debbie Boone, once again. Rissos, you wankas. <laughs> All right. All right. We aren't punk aficionados, if that's a word. Did I say it correctly? aficionados yes. yeah oh my god look at that that's like in the past couple episodes i'm getting like, words correctly yeah, i don't know what you're the hell's two going for on. two this is this is pretty impressive Whew. all right well here's one that i'm mm. probably going to screw up because i've done so in the past so my number three album from the 1970s punk scene except to, wait did i go first uh yeah i think i went first this week you did all right screwed it up but no, that's okay well, I, I mean you were so happy about getting words right i know i see I was getting um, shots of dopamine in my brain because I actually spoke English correctly. And, and this, I just had know, to like kick you off that pedestal. No, no, you actually, you, you were, it was wonderful when you said, I felt even more joy when you were saying how much I got it correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. So thank you so much. You gave me no joy. Well, now I'm going to pull the chair out. Okay. Okay. For number three, I'm going to go to the summer, Southern Hemisphere. I can't get words right today. For the second album by one of the first international bands to be recognized amongst punk among punk's finest, Australia's The Saints. Keeping with my list for all 1978 albums so far, the album is Eternally Yours from 1978. Another trend on my list this week is that most of my albums are debuts. I think that's because most bands can never recapture the exuberance and energy of their debut records, or maybe they're never given the chance. This one is not. But while the Saints debut I'm Stranded may well be more quote-unquote punk, I think I like Eternally Yours a smidge more. The same attitude is there, but right from the beginning, you know it's a more ambitious affair as Soulful Horn Blasts announced the brilliant lead track Know Your Product. It's a gloriously ironic swipe at consumerism, like a punk update of satisfaction. Underneath the Stacks inspired brass is a song not too dissimilar from the charging rock and roll of their first record. It's really one of the overlooked songs of the generation. And speaking of which, the album features another one of punk's great singles, This Perfect Day, whose ferocious chorus pounds like the cousin of Love's 7 and 7 is. It's an absolutely vicious and wonderful song that actually ended up being the band's one and only entry in the UK Top 40 Singles Chart. Elsewhere, Private Affair lambasts the over-commercialization of punk, 
Singer Chris Bailey is one of my favorite singers of the punk era, taking his cue from 60s garage rock, Mick Jagger, Iggy Pop, and that ilk. There's a sneer, a snarl, and a snottiness to his vocal attack that I always tend to gravitate towards. Even when they occasionally slow the tempo down, as they do on songs like Memories Are Made Of This, A Minor Aversion, and Untitled, he sounds menacing and brooding. Bailey and guitarist Ed Cooper were such a dynamic duo, they produced and wrote most of this album together. And of course, like most good things, it wasn't meant to last. That you know, original incarnation of the band made one more album that stretched the boundaries of their music with more jazz and blues influence, and that was 1979's Prehistoric Sounds. And then Cooper departed because he wanted to pursue artsier paths with another influential band called Laughing Clowns. Chris Bailey carried on the Saints' torch into the 21st century. He's the only constant member in the band with about, I don't know, 7,000 other members over the years. Notably, former church guitarist Marty Wilson Piper was actually a member for a couple years in the uh, mid-2000s. But sadly, we just lost Chris Bailey on April 9th, just a couple weeks before we recorded this episode at the age of 65. So this one goes out to Chris. His music will be eternally ours. And my number three is Eternally Yours by The Saints. You know, when you were younger, you thought 65, wow, yeah. grandpa, so old. And now it's like 65, I start, <gasps> start so losing young. my breath. I know, it's like, that's not so fair, young. man, not fair. Nope, totally not. You know, anybody over 80, I'm like, okay, you know, that's a good life. That's a good yeah. life. But now I, that's, as I get older, I guess maybe I want to make it to 80. That's like my number. That's my over or under. Okay. But I definitely, I mean, I would love to go longer, but, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Do here. Yeah, yeah. The scurvy man, the scurvy, the, scurvy. the band. We got to, yeah. we got to put out music on that. We're going to cover our faces. That way, we'll have a chance. At least the mine needs to be covered. So don't sell yourself short. You'll be the pinup. Oh God, no! You are, you are the face. No, no, no. no. Oh, You'll yeah. be the one in Tiger Beat. <laughs> Look at the divots on my ass, kids! Woo! Cut out this picture of Uncle Greg and put him up on your wall. And <laughs> Imagine that. Practice kissing him on your pillow at night. Do you remember the Heather Thomas from the Fall Guy one? That, yeah. Yeah, so that was from the 80s. And we also had the, the Heather Locklear, the Ferret mm -hmm. Fawcett posters of the yep. 80s that we grew up with on our wall. But Heather Thomas was my favorite. Well, and just think there's going to be somebody with an Uncle Greg poster on their wall saying these exact same things. I doubt that, but... Um, I do think Heather Thomas. Yeah, I'm kind of having a internal dialogue right now because, like, you know, like I am really good um, at downloading now. You know how, like, when you're young, or like you see like a young kid and they stare at a woman too long and they're like creepy. But now that we're older, we our like peripheral vision is way better because we don't want to mm -hmm. be creepy. And I could download into my spank bank so quickly, and also with the Heather Thomas thing is that I remember like that, like that was 30 something. I mean, she's probably a wreck now, but I could still remember her fondly in that bikini in like the hot tub. I mean, that's just the greatest poster ever. Yes. Makes me you happy. You can remember her fondling, yes. No, she wasn't fondling. She was just standing there. Come on. No, I, I didn't say she was. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I, uh, Rissos. I will overshare once again. The first time I ever touched myself in that way, was Blue Lagoon. It was uh, Shields. What's her name? Brooke Shields. Thank you. I almost said Brett Shields, but I, that'd be totally off. No, it wasn't yeah, Brett no. Shields, but Brooke no. Shields. 
No. Brooke Shields. Now, now that's creepy. Yeah, but it no. wasn't before. Now it is. Yeah. Well, she, I was, you know, very young, and she was probably so. There's no Me Too movement here, but something, and still to this day, dark-haired women, if they have glued their long hair to their chest, I probably would be very attracted to them. Oversharing 101, Uncle Greg. Okay. Ever since then, you've had a fondness for deserted islands. Oh, yeah, I would love that. But I don't think I would want sex on the beach. You know, why would I want that sandpaper in my pink part? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Me or her. I don't think that's a good idea. You know, it looks really sexy on these pictures like people, but it's sand, man. I mean, you're going to yeah. take a shower before you get busy. Even if you're just rubbing bodies, you're going to get sores. I don't, I'm not for that. You know, I, I like soft caressing love i like um romantic love hmm. once you know once in a while yeah you, you know you want to get punched in the face but you know that's because hey we all have our different things in life right sometimes you want blood you know i'm just saying um but just i when don't I, when i thought you were getting soft on us yeah well no i'm just saying but sometimes but there's never soft romantic love even though it looks like on the beach you know because the sand will just eat you alive and I, if you've never experienced it, I would say don't. Okay. Take it from my experience. Your sage words of advice. Yes. If you want to know what it feels like, uh, get sandpaper and then sand yourself. Wait. Okay. I'm taking notes now. Use the fine grade because you don't notice it till it's all done. Mm. And then you got burns. Gentle burn. Uh, yeah, it's gentle until the yeah. next day. Okay. And then you take a shower and you're going, what the hell? Ah. Uh! And then if you live in Phoenix and it's summer, because you're at the beach, you get sweat in it and it stinks. Mm -hmm. What's your number three? <laughs> He's going to edit all this out. Don't worry, kids. All right. My number three album. Are you, are you sure about that? Uh, maybe. Some people who think that they're the cool kids, they always say this album is overrated. It's overrated. Um, I don't agree because the excitement of the guitars and then you got these lyrics that are just screamed at you with conviction and every word being meant, I mean, come on, this has to be on my list. Sex Pistols, never mind the Bullocks, here's yeah. the Sex Pistols. And I said it right that time. That's what I was always worried about. Another, another word I said correctly, Bullocks, right? Bollocks. Son of a bitch. Never mind the bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. That's better. Still one of the greatest albums ever. I mean, of course, you have God Save the Queen, Anarchy in the UK. We all know those. But Holidays in the Sun, what a great song. Bodies, another great song. And it's weird to think that the Sex Pistols had one studio album, and it still influences, and still one of the greatest albums of all time, and just the chaos it created. So I had to put it on my list. It's kind of sad it's at number three, but it's just the way I feel this week. Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. Well done. And you know what? How long it took us and how creepy it took us to get there. How exciting was that? Well, you never minded the bollocks. <laughs> yes. 
Or I created a lot of bollocks. Well, Don't know. You know Either you, way. You might have. And rubbed him with sandpaper. I was just trying to, I'm just trying to help the kids. You know, Appreciate that. I don't want them to go through what I went through. What was that from here to eternity? You know, you see that scene and they're on the beach rolling. You think, wow, that's what I want. And the next thing you know, you got rocks in your cooch. It's not good, kids. It's not good. Or your pee hole. Like, you know. I believe the children <laughs> of the future. Don't get burned. Well let them lead. Okay. Hey, hey, I'm sober. You I have taught them well. I know. You've taught them well. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to stay in 1978 for one more debut album, and I figured that I needed a little female persuasion in here to break up the boys' club. So hailing from London, my number two album is Germ-Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs. X-Ray Specs really shook up the status quo in punk. While polystyrene was capable of spitting out lyrics with as much venom as her male counterparts, Sonically, they were different with that scronking, squealing sax of Laura Logic, and then, at least for most of the album, Rudy Thompson, and then um, visually different by dispensing with the safety pins and black leather, instead opting for kitschy day-glow colors. Music contained within was similarly Dayglow, a little more colorful and playful than many punk records, or even in comparison with their own early single, O oh Bondage Up Yours. Take, for instance, this somewhat nonsensical chorus to the song, I Can't Do Anything, after Polly laments all the things that she can't do, like read, spell, write, sing, dance, and walk, she drops this line, Freddie tried to strangle me with my plastic popper beads, but I hit him back with my pet rat. Okay. Well, anyway, as the only album that X-Ray Specs would release until an obscure 1995 partial reunion album, it's basically a greatest hits record featuring their UK charting singles, The Day the World Turned Day Glow, Identity, Germ-Free Adolescence, After this album, Polystyrene would abandon the punk scene for a very serene and lovely album called Translucence in 1980, and then she would join the Hare Krishnas. She would release a couple more solo records, including her final album, Generation Indigo, which is a really good album, that was sadly released one day before her death from cancer in 2011. But then the other members of the band would go on to form bands like the new romantic band Classics Nouveau. Agent Orange, and not the American hardcore band, but a British band called Agent Orange, and Transvision Vamp. Entertaining, iconic, and influential, you can see their fingerprints all over the slits, the raincoats, Girls at Our Best, Bikini Kill, and so many others that followed. So let the day the world turns day glow be today. My number two, X-Ray Specs, Germ-Free Adolescence. Gotta check it out. You sold oh, me. Great album. Sold me. I Lots might have so heard fun. parts of it, but I don't think I've heard the whole thing. Yeah. Is it crazy? Chaos. Is it crazy? Yeah. It's a little crazy. Well, landing at the bridesmaid position on my list of the top five 70 punk albums is a collaboration between David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Of course, I had to get the album Lust for Life on my list because it's a banger. 
I mean, some of my favorite Iggy songs, Lust for Life, which I still think is funny, a song about heroin, selling cruises all those years, but it really opened up a lot of people to his music, that commercial that ran for, like, I think it was a decade. And heroin. I'm yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. heroin is always popular. It just, it, it ebbs and flows. It depends on what the rock stars are doing. And then, yeah. you know, the kids Usually follow. not with the cruise set. No. You know? I think it probably turned on a lot of, like, 50-something-year-old people in, in Hawaiian shirts to some good king horse. Yeah. Well, I think that anybody older probably should go to amphetamines. You get a lot more done. Mm. You know, you could drink a lot more. At first, you're euphoric, from what I hear. But I would think that heroin, you know, I'm 52, so I have no problem going to sleep. I, no problem. So I don't need any heroin. In fact, you have three times this show already. <laughs> exactly. So, hey. Well, I was uh, Sid Vicious. I ran into a lot of interviews with him on YouTube as we were doing this week's episode. And boy, there was one with uh, Nancy just bitching him out saying, stay up. You're supposed to do this interview. They are gacked out of their brain. And he is just falling asleep and snoring. Oh, it looks sad. You're just like, man, why would anybody want to be like that? But that's addiction, kids. That's addiction. Just say no. Another exactly. seat. There we go. See, there is something that's not uh, salacious. It's honest. Just yeah. say no. You'll be I happier in the long run. The but Iggy Pop's Lust for Life, keep on singing. I love the soundtrack. Controlled aggression. And I was reading that Iggy Pop had said he really thought Americans were going to rock to this album in 1977. And he was right. But it was just 20 years later after train spotting. I am a passenger I stay under glass I look through my window so bright I see the stars come out tonight I see the bright and, and everybody kind of uh, started, you know, re, re, I guess, discovering his music, but that's why. It's great album, great artist, Iggy Pop, Lust for Life, number two this week for me. Excellent. Which means I know what your number one will be. Do you think? Yes, I do. Well, uh, let's take some guesses. You get one. Go. R Ramones. Damn it. Which one? They had two in 77. Oh, two in 77. Oh, so you're picking a 77 album? Yeah. Ooh. Well, I guess you're going to have to stick around because Ooh. our number one albums from the punk genre of the 1970s coming up after this. Look at that cliffhanger. Italy. Hi, this is Clive Gregson, and you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. Here's what some of you third lads out there said was your favorite 70s punk. Lad Julio said, death for the whole world to see. Never mind the bollocks, the Sex Pistols, the Ramones self-titled, X-Ray Specs germ-free adolescence, and GI by the germs. Lad David said The Clash, The Ramones, Misfits, Sex Pistols, Buzzcocks, Dead Kennedys, Adam and the Ants, The Stranglers, and Joy Division. Stooges biographer Francois Pellet said Rob Hauer and We Have Come For Your Children. 
Lad Kimberly said, The Damned, Sex Pistols, Buzzcocks, Dead Kennedys, The Saints, The Cramps, The Stranglers, Circle Jerks, and Joy Division. And Lad Joshua said, Too many to list. We'll agree with that. Thanks everybody for responding. Now back to the show. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on episode 100, what? Eight. Eight. Wow, 108. 108 times you put up with me, Brett. This time we got proctology. Uh, we got, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, friction burns. Sand burn? Yeah, friction burns. And yes, we yeah. got, but, and we do have just say no to drugs. So it's full circle. Mm-hmm. It's the only three lads podcast. There's a message. We don't know what that message is. The message is um, go to school. Uh, pay attention, do what your parents say, and Uncle Greg will just leave him be. Is that the message? Well, it is. It is, but <laughs> you also uh, look cute in the pages of Bop. Oh, hopefully. God, that's coming yeah. up. I can't wait. You guys are all going to see my butt. Should I show, like, my butt crack? You know how, like, sometimes, like, you wear, like, those low-rider jeans or, like, the yeah, low-waist jeans? Yeah, tastefully. Just, like, the crack is just coming up. It's, like, titillating. Yeah. It's not like you're going to see anything, but yeah. you just see, like, the top of the crack. And no. it's like, ooh, there we go. It's nothing the Beebs would do. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd do it, but if I, and I want to say the rest of you, please get to our Facebook page. Give us your top albums from punk bands or punk people, who whatever you want to do, and make sure and leave that on our Facebook page. We would appreciate it. We'll talk about it at some point. I'm sure we'll have another punk episode coming up. Oh, for sure. For sure. So- we ready for our number ones? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You're up. All right. So for my final punk trip around the world, I'm going to hop over from England to Northern Ireland. We actually have a crossover here because I'm going for Stiff Little Fingers, explosive debut album, Inflammable Material. How about that? So, I mean, you said everything very well, Greg, so I don't have a lot to add to that. Um, I, I look at it as kind of being the Northern Irish equivalent to The Clash's first album because it, it's really a, a very powerful commentary on the world around them, except instead of the you know the streets of London, it's the streets of Belfast and the harsh, very violent and very oppressive climate there was in Northern Ireland at the time. All the songs were performed with this aggression, but purpose. The ultimate message is one of hope and power. There's a a part in State of Emergency where Jake Burns barks, so please just don't sit there. Let's try to break out from all the hatred, suspicion, and doubt. Try to change your life that is no life at all. So he says all this, but implores that he doesn't want to be the hero you're looking for. I think Jake Burns doesn't get nearly the credit that he deserves, not only as a writer, but as a singer, too. You listen to each of these tracks, and he pours everything he's got into these songs. He sounds like he's shredding his vocal cords every single time out. And this is a vocal approach that has served many punk rock singers quite well since, whether they were influenced him or not. I'm thinking of like Darby Crash from The Germs, although I think he was probably more influenced by the screamers Tomato Duplenty. Paul Westerberg is another one. Henry Rollins. I mean, just these guys that go out and, and just shred. 
So many classics on this record. Suspect Device, Alternative Ulster, Barbed Wire Love, Wasted Life. Their cover of Bob Marley's Johnny Was is brilliant. You know, it's certainly not an obscure album, but in my opinion, it's very underappreciated, except, you know, by us two yucks. So, oi, my number one this week is Stiff Little Fingers, Inflammable Material, Rissos. See, I think that if you listen to this, this is what punk was all about. It sounds punk. It feels punk. Makes you want to go and kick a hole in the wall. Yep. That's everything that's that all about. Punk what should it's be all about. I agree. Okay. Well, we talked about it. My number one, of course, it's going to be the Ramones. They mean so much to me. I remember being made fun of because I was a Ramones fan here in Phoenix, Arizona. as like a 10 year old. Um, I probably first discovered them, you know, probably some singles best of, but then you go back and I think, Brett, you were thinking I was going to pick their debut 1976 album, which has yeah. a lot of great songs on it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of great stuff on there. And then in 1977, they released Leave Home. Uh, probably didn't really have a whole lot of songs that people know, um, but still a good album. But then they released Rocket to Russia. And so with songs like Rockaway Beach, Sheen is a Punk Rocker, Teenage Lobotomy, We're a Happy Family, um, do you want to dance a Bobby Freeman cover? This was the one for me that I picked this week, and I just love the Ramones. I got to pull out the picture I have with Joey Ramone. Told the story probably in episode 100 or maybe two three, whatever it was, uh, about a hundred episodes ago. But I got to meet Joey Ramon when I first started in radio. Uh, the guy who got me into radio, his name's Willoughby. He's in Denver now. And uh, he basically asked me, if you can have a picture with anybody, who would you pick? And I just threw a name out there that I thought never, ever in a million gazillion years. And I said, Joey Ramon. And then probably hmm, nine months later, I'm taking a picture with Joey Ramon. Oh, yeah. But then that ruined me because then I figured I don't need to take a picture with anybody else. I got Joey Ramone. So now there's a lot of people who like I would like, oh, I should have taken a picture with them. I am starting to find some pictures, you know, with like Adam Levine, like when they first came out with the Maroon 5 and stuff like that. Um, But I should put that on the Facebook page at some point. I know right where it is. Joey Ramone's much cooler than Adam Levine. Yeah. I got to say. Well, it was just one of those things now that he's passed away uh, and yeah. now that most of the band's passed away, except for uh, Tommy Ramone's passed away. This was the last album Tommy Ramone was on. No, uh, not Tommy. Tommy Ramone's in there now. Tommy no. Tommy Ramone's still alive. Yeah. Well, the first one. The I first hope. Tommy Ramone. No. Is he still alive? I'm hmm. pretty sure uh, What Tommy and Marky are still alive. I think Tommy's dead. Oh, gosh. He is, 2014. Yeah. yeah, so Marky Rabone, and I hear him on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's the only one left. But this was the last album that Tommy was on. Then he became more of like a manager to the band. But anyways, Rocket to Russia, my number one punk album of the 70s for this week. Wow. All right. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. You find out that, yeah, Tommy died. I, I remember that. 
I, I probably knew that too, but you know, I respected him so much as as a producer as well. Right. Well, Dee Dee died first, and then it was Joey, and then yep. Johnny, Johnny, and then Tommy died, and now Marky, he's still carrying the flag. Yeah, Marky, and then uh, CJ. He's still Dee alive. Dee's replacement is still alive. But you really, I mean, I I do give him. I actually got to meet him too when I got to meet Joey. But you yeah. know, come on, like you know, he kind of was a replacement. And there was a uh, Richie Ramon and Elvis yeah. Ramon, and the, yeah, they I'm they're sure secondary Ramones. Yeah, clearly, they're like second cousins. Yeah, you exactly. Know? All right. Any honorable mentions from you this week? Uh, yeah, a ton, but some that, that made it very close. And like I said, you know, I had the Clash, I had the Ramones, I had the Sex Pistols. I figured that you were going to give them a fair amount of love, so I yes. wanted to bring some different players into the mix. I wish that I had made room for Buzz Cox, different music in a different kitchen. Yep. Uh, Wire Pink Flag, the adverts crossing the Red Sea. Those are the big ones, I think. Now, yes, because I do appreciate your thought. You know, with me, I'm just going in, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, like, hey, what are your favorite ones? I go, I know you put a lot of thought of into it. You know, take people across much. the world. No, not probably not too much, but a fair amount. You can tell that you definitely do your homework. But while I was doing, you know, my search this week, I ran into Johnny Thunder and the Heartbreakers. I think mm-hmm. I need to get more into L-A-M-F. them. L-A-M-F. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then the boys. Um, oh, I band. love the boys. Yeah, so I was thinking. That's another one. You're right. That's yeah, and one. I could have put them on. Um, And then the Damned, we could have done the debut album for them. Yeah. So those were some of my honorable mentions this great. week. All great. So many great 70s punk records. Yeah, and just to think, I'm not here in Arizona, we still don't have like a punk. They have like a ska punk show, but they don't play any of this stuff. It's more like, you know, ska influenced punk, like a rancid which yeah. I love. Don't get me wrong. No, um, no but- you won't hear most of this stuff on the radio, you know, which is sad. Even something like First Wave on Sirius or, you know, like 91X that we have here, you may hear a Clash song. You may hear a Sex Pistol song. You're not going to get deep punk rock. Right. Well, we heard Holidays in the Sun this morning on 91X. We'll just have to uh, get what we get and don't throw a fit. But we're punks, so we like to throw fits. Yes. We want more. More. Yeah. Stick it to the man, Rissos. <laughs> so let's go oh, down our list. All right. You're oh, first. Yes. Yes, we do that too. All right. So my number five was the Suicide Commandos Make a Record. Number four, the kids self-titled. Number three was The Saints Eternally Yours. Number two was Germ Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs. And number one, Stiff Little Fingers, Inflammable Material. And that is going to be my number five, our intelligent pick, Stiff Little Fingers, Inflammable Materials. At number four, The Clash with their 1977 debut album. At number three, Sex Pistols, Never Find, Never Mind, not Never Find, Find What You're Looking For, Never Mind the Bollocks. Did I say it correct? Bollocks. Bollocks. Never Mind the Bollocks. Here's Greg's words. At number two, Iggy Pop, Lust for Life. And number one, we have got, it's going to be the Ramones, Rocket to Russia. Fantastic nine albums we have chosen. Yes, I think so. With lots of alternates. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get into the boys more. I got to listen to them more. I'm listening oh, to them going, yeah. oh, wow. I'm just like, I really yeah, like the that. the first album's really cool. And you have stuff like, like Sick on You, which is quite literally a song about vomiting on somebody. Ooh, that's sexy. Actually not, yeah. but, that, but the, there, there's a website for that, and I'm not kidding. I'm sure there is. There's a website for everything out there. Yes, but oh, remember Two Girls, One Cup about a decade ago? 
No. Oh, thank God. See, this is why you're the moral authority of the Only Three Lads podcast. Is this why? This is one of the reasons I know way too much about it. And um, I'll just say, if people know, you know. Hmm. Okay. Don't look into it. Don't Google it. I don't believe I will. It'll ruin your day. Yeah, it'll ruin your day. And you'll never want chocolate mousse again. Wow. It'll ruin your day. And at the same time, it will probably make your day. No, Who knows? It, it it will not make your day. Hmm. That's an Uncle Greg guarantee. Yeah. And you know, I have issues. I'm telling you. Yeah. It will if you're ruin telling me your something's day. disturbed. <laughs> yeah. Then trust me. Yeah. If, if you would. Now, this happened again decade ago. But if you go on YouTube, type in reaction to two girls, one cup, and then watch the horrified faces of Joe Rogan is one. Um, but just people who are watching that video. Hours of fun. I do believe the children are our future. Let's teach right. them well. Yes. And get at the hell out of the way. We're not doing bang up job here right now. So <laughs> Well, this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Should we hit the randomizer? Let's hit it. All right. Give me the word. Stop. Uh, the word was oi this week. Oh, okay. so, okay, ready? More rissos. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go oi. Ready? Okay. Oi. Oi. All right. So, next week, we are going to be doing a label spotlight on Creation Records in the 1980s. Top okay. five singles. Something I know nothing about. Top well, five you will. Singles. You're a good study. All right. Thank God for Google. Tell me about it. All right. You can find Creation Records. You can find only three lads. Yep. Same place, different eras. Exactly. All right. Be- before we sign out, I have to say any potential advertisers in the future do not necessarily agree or or uh, support the advice and the stories that I told throughout this podcast this week. This episode brought to you by Two Girls, One Cup. And Friction Burns. Remember, if you get Friction Burns, there's always a Band-Aid. And the what else did I tell Blue kids? Lagoon reboot oh, yes. starring. Yes. Um, it's the director's cut. Brooke the Shields. director's cut. Yeah. Oh, Brooke Shields. I remember first seeing that. I was like, ooh. You know how you have crushes when you're a little kid? Oh, yeah. Who was your first uh, celebrity crush, Brett? Do you remember? <laughs> you really want to know this one? I do. I'm dying to hear it now. Uh, it, it was Sally Field. Wow, this is what again the moral authority wanted an older woman to teach him new tricks. But, awesome. but here's the th- here's the thing: it was it was Sally Field as she was in Gidget. Wow, I was thinking Smokey and the Bandit. You know, she's no. Wearing, I yeah. see. I really, I really loved Gidget, and she was like this cool, like '60s beach girl. And I'm like, that's my ideal girl. So this was probably mid '80s, and then I saw like her. Then I'm like. Oh. She's like my mom's age, but I, I still enjoy a good episode of Gidget or The Flying Nun. Okay. Well, very mm-hmm. interesting. It does open a book into the psyche of our rocktologist, Brett Fargo. Yeah. It opens up the psyche and more with yeah, the and more. Okay. Well, yes. I just had to look up the name of my first celebrity crush. Do you remember the TV show, Give Me a Break? Oh, of course I do. Okay, Nell so the, Carter, great show. Yeah, Nell Carter was not the one on the show who I was attracted to, though I would love to, like, if she was alive, sit down and hear stories because she's done a million gazillion things in showbiz. Yeah. But it was Lara Jill Miller. She was the youngest daughter 
of the character, you know, the youngest character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would probably be my first, um, and that's why probably I like Bob's to this day. Huh. Yeah. She probably does not care, but I would have to say, I think Katie was the name of the character. I think you could be right. And I think that was my first celebrity crush. Wow. Not that anyone And here cares. I was gearing up for you to say it was Nell Carter, too. Hey, you know what? I'm more cushion for the pushing. That's all oh. I got to say. And you cannot lie. Hey, no. Nell Carter got back. I'm sorry. Rest in peace, Nell Carter. <laughs> yeah, I would be afraid for her health. That would be the only thing. Yeah. Have we well, shared too all right, much? Now should we wrap this up? <laughs> Sally Fields. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everything I said is null and void. Brett Vargo's first celebrity crush was Sally Fields. Oh, much like the flying nun, I believe we should fly on out of here. <laughs> Peace. Let's just leave it at this. Rissles! And we'll wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom is dead. My mom is right there. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.